0: Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Talking Business Now with Dave Farrow, the two-time Guinness World Record holder for greatest memory and the CEO of Farrow Communications. Farrow is first and foremost an entrepreneur who has mastered the art of marketing to promote his own business. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Dave shares how entrepreneurs can position themselves for success using memory techniques. Welcome, Dave.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Well, This This is is... wonderful. I'm glad I remembered to show up.
0: We knew that one was coming, didn't we? Guinness World Record holder for greatest memory? That's incredible. What did you have to do to set that record?
1: First off, you know, anytime you try to go after a Guinness record, it is a feat of arrogance and and you will be slapped down, let me tell you. It was very, very (laughs) difficult. This is not an easy thing. I wasn't born with a great memory. Actually, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia when I was a kid, and I, I pursued memory techniques. Uh, because I, I wanted to figure out how to run my brain, I just was doing it wrong, and and the the few things that I learned absolutely transformed my life. And of course, then I was hooked. I wanted to help others, but I went after the Guinness record to really show people that you know somebody with those those disadvantages could aim that high and honestly the first thing i would tell people is advice aim as high as you possibly can but also you know separate yourself from the result if, if you don't get it take pride in the fact that you tried because that can be an inspiration to a lot of people My my first attempt i failed but the second attempt i did succeed and, and actually i did two guinness records so the most recent one i memorized the exact order of 59 decks of playing cards all shuffled together that's 3068 cards in total Mm. And I did only one mistake. And it's actually after seeing it or hearing it in a single sighting. So I'm not allowed any repetition. So there's a lot of specific rules with that. It's intense. I had a headache for a week afterwards. I had to pull it all-nighter at one point. It, it was very stressful, but you know, it should be. It's a test of of ability. And anybody who's listening, I want you to know that this is a skill. This is something you can learn. I I love teaching it to people. I don't want anybody to break my record, but (laughs) I'll teach you all the other secrets that I have. And maybe I'll keep a couple of myself.
0: (laughs) That is incredible. Over 3,000 and some cards after just seeing it once. That's just, that's just mind boggling. And and it really is kind of mind boggling because as you said, you had a headache for a full week afterwards. (laughs) So that was, that was the most recent one. What was the first one? Was it the same thing, but you just had fewer mistakes this time around, or was it a different category of memory?
1: No actually, I had more mistakes the first time, actually, but mm-hmm. it was uh, fifty two decks of cards that that was going back. That's like nineteen ninety six when I broke that first record ah. to give people an idea of how old I am. yeah, but going after that record, actually, the first time I, I attempted that one, I did fail, but yeah, no failure happens and you got to pull yourself back up. but we're talking today about entrepreneurship and and marketing and man, there's a lot of struggles with that it, you you have to be open to you know, making mistakes, but the one thing I learned, and that that really actually helps me in business later on, was that first time that I failed, the second that I knew I was going to fail, I also knew how to succeed, and I knew that I can't have one without the other that is when I knew that I was making too many mistakes and I was getting distracted in that case I was distracted by the media attention oddly enough considering what I do now for for a living is, is as a I run a PR agency but I was getting distracted distracted by the media attention I was making too many mistakes and I knew I was going to not get the record that very very first time but in that exact moment I knew how I could have changed things around to break it and I had to have the tenacity to tell everybody no I'm going to do this again whether you like it or not and 30 days later, I went in to, to break the record, but very often in life, we do not know how to do something until we first do it wrong, and and we have to have the humility to be able to, to push past that first failure, because if I, if I would have quit that first time, I would have been the, the kid who thought he was good enough for a Guinness record and, and failed, Like, you know what I mean? So you've oh, you yeah, got to so pull true. yourself back up and do it.
0: No no yeah. kidding. You, you talked about our audience today, entrepreneurs, business executives, and- They have to remember lots of names. They have to remember so many different things. And you have adapted this method, as you said, to your own business endeavors. And and you can teach our listeners about it as well. So what are some of the different memory tips that business people can use, especially employers, business owners that they can use with their employees?
1: Well, you know, to start off with, I'm a speaker. I've spoken on the, the you know corporate market for years on how, uh, how to use uh, memory training to really have an edge in business, especially sales. So I speak to large groups of uh, sales teams and, you know, I get everybody in the room. Usually there's 200, 300 salespeople. I remember everybody's name. As everyone gets impressed, They they also start to get a little inspired because they realize if they put out that effort and they were able to actually do this for their own business, then their sales would skyrocket. They don't need to have any more you know amazing lead generation or anything as much as you know we sell those services too. So I don't want to you know poo poo them, but uh, you know sometimes just making a bigger impression. So there's there's a really great actual uh, thing that Bill Clinton used to do, and aside from all the politics, we got to you know give bill clinton credit that you know in his day he was like one of the most charismatic politicians able to bring people together and one thing he always used to do is he he would remember everybody's name and then he would remember one little anecdote about the day that he met you so he would come up to you and he would he would be like he'd say something like you know, hi Kelly. Uh you know, I, I, I remember the first day I met you, you were wearing the most amazing red sweater and everybody commented on it and everything and it, and it would it would be that one little thing and that made him president. That frickin' little tip. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know? that's what got him in the White House. You know, like that sort of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, and that's what he was known for. So many people would say that you felt when you talked with him that you felt like he really Uh, was speaking directly to you. And it's because he had an ability Mm -hmm. to personalize it based on, like you said, remembering an anecdote it just takes that one.
1: Well, this actually might surprise you. We're going to take this even further. John F. Kennedy used memory techniques and especially speed reading. He talks a lot about using speed reading to keep on top of, of the latest news. So he was a brain trainer and that was one of his secret weapons. But even going as far back as Alexander the Great and Napoleon, they both actually are very well known by historians to actually have used memory techniques. There were like early on memory techniques taught by mentalists. And in Alexander the Great's case, he was taught by Aristotle. But he was famous for knowing the names of every single person in his in his army. And as a result, was able to go up against armies that were much larger than his because his people would fight harder. Uh, Napoleon, he actually said that he memorized the names of every single person and what he called the fire that lit their soul. Mm. That is, he knew what the ambition of each person in his army was. Everyone down to the foot soldier all the way up to the general. He knows which one which one of them you know, wants to get home to their family. He knows which one of them wants a promotion, things like that. And that allowed him to, to actually go against armies that were three times his size in many cases and people don't you know people don't realize he conquered all of europe i mean everybody focuses on his waterloo but There's some pretty amazing leadership skills that, you know, he was able to garner, you know, once you get past the the height jokes.
0: And he was able, as you say, to tap into what motivated people, what buttons that he needed to push in order to get the maximum out of them. He knew he knew what to do there. So that's even better than remembering their names. As you said, he was able to get three times, go up against armies three times as big because of that. Right.
1: So I work with executives on, and management on how to remember all of these details. I work with, uh, there, I've with i even done talks for bus drivers so they can remember all the kids' names because behavioral issues go down when that happens. But then when we take this into the, the realm of marketing, this is where it gets really exciting because every ad out there is an attempt at a memory technique, and some work and some don't. Put quite simply, a memory to get down to the very bare bones definition, if you want to remember something, what you're really trying to do is connect it right? So if you remember my name, it's because you've connected my name to my face, for example, right? Mm-hmm, or I, mm-hmm. and I see you and I think of Kelly, I've connected those two bits of information together. That's all that advertising and marketing is trying to do. It's trying to connect a product or brand to a feeling. It, it's maybe trying to connect it to a solution, that sort of thing. And when you understand this as this is an attempt to, to get someone's attention and get them to remember something, then all of a sudden marketing makes so much more sense from a from a neuroscience perspective you know it makes sense the ones that work and the ones that don't there are even a lot of ads that win awards but don't really move the sales numbers you know and there's others that that boost sales numbers tremendously and people don't know why it works it's because it makes a connection, and that is the key. So I took everything that I've learned from memory training and brain training. I still speak, uh, you know, to sales teams, and I still do memory. We're actually launching a new online course this year, so guys, you know, check it out. I have, I have, you know, original content that that nobody else has. But I've really been privileged to run Faro Communications for nearly a decade now, and we do uh, PR, marketing, online ad campaigns, things like that, and all of it has been kind of fueled by this understanding of how the brain makes connections. What makes it pay attention what makes those connections work
0: when it comes to ads making that connection what are some of the best ways that ads can accomplish that is it to tell a story with you know that uses the product is it to uh just do something absurd that makes people remember what what are some of the different uh, ways that you can accomplish a lasting memory through an ad lasting connection well
1: here's the interesting thing I, I would say stories make you pay attention to the characters mm-hmm. uh, and unless the product is your character in the story which has has happened then uh, then it tends it can actually be distracting really what I would I would say that you don't necessarily want stories as much as you want anecdotes now I will say that I do follow the the story circle a theory, you know, Dan Dan Harmon makes this a uh, really big deal. All ads should have some sort of story circle. There should be a feeling of growth in it. Sometimes you can even make in, you know, a single sentence follow a story circle modality or at least, you know, it's a really good exercise to do that. But things that really work in memory techniques aren't so much the stories but what you said, like kind of those absurd connections. Mm-hmm. Um great example in our modern era is Geico. It did a oh, great yes. job. And re- if, if you remember, <laughs> there was these ads before Geico for uh, Addo, not Auto, you mm-hmm. know, and it was mm-hmm. like, it was kind of this catchy little thing and people were remembering the name, but they weren't really, th- their sales went up, you know, a decent amount. They were, they were beating market share. I shouldn't say they weren't, you know, succeeding, but when Geico did a play on the names of Geico Gecko that's when things really took off and went through the roof. It was it was absolutely incredible. The Aflac, there's a great one with the Aflac duck. You remember that kind of that Gilbert Godfrey voice, the Aflac, yes. you know, that duck. Let's do it. Yeah. So see, the interesting thing is that way these weren't the best mnemonics because they weren't connecting the product to the service. You know, they weren't like they were connecting the name Aflac to insurance. But all they really had to accomplish was to be top of mind they just had to be memorable and you had to remember the name of the company because insurance is one of those things you don't buy every day and whatever is top of mind will get the gig pretty much so geico was really smart they focused on 15% could you know 15 minutes could save you 15% and remember the name Geico, and that's what they focused on doing each and every time, and it worked really well. with Aflac, it was really an interesting case study where they they went with this duck that was making the you know crazy sounds aflac, you know, whenever you're thinking of health insurance stuff, and their their sales went through the roof. they actually started to get more market share than anyone else they were they were doing great, but the CEO thought that the duck made them look silly, wasn't winning any awards. they stopped using the duck, and uh, lo and behold, their sales went went down, went into the into the toilet. So they, they realized that in this industry, it's much more important to be remembered than to be remembered for something elegant. Just be remembered, period, works. And so what they did is they got rid of the CEO. They got a different CEO. That the new person said, hey, let's bring the duck back. And lo and behold, their market share goes up. So these things really do matter. So I would say, though, that you, if, if you have the choice to be entertaining or grossly, horribly entertaining, you know, choose to be entertaining. Like if you have the choice, choose to be elegant. But if you find something that's working, sometimes it's not, you know, super elegant, you know, one of the things that we do, and this is actually something that I learned from great people over at Harmon Brothers, one of the, one of the top ad agencies uh, so, I, I can give a shout out to them their their online academy is fantastic, and they 're really good friends of mine. But one of the things that we do now actually for our ads and each, even even like my speeches and some things is we'll we'll write a script mm-hmm. then then test it by people using data, and these data sets are amazing you can make a short video, run a few Facebook ads and have data in seconds. Or uh, one of the fun tricks that we do is we'll read the script to a few people and then uh, based on their facial expressions, decide whether or not they were bored or interested. And we basically just cut out the boring parts. So in short, if you wanna be remembered, you cut out the boring parts. Now that doesn't mean your script is fantastic, but it means that it's it's not going to, they're not gonna click away from it. They're gonna actually pay attention to it. And the other thing also is, you know, adding personality, adding humor, there's a whole bunch of things that people thought were cheesy or you know in poor taste or anything, and now the bar is lowered, people don't respond to let's say a bank if it acts all institutional and says we are you know powerful mm-hmm. and we are you know all those different brands that the bank, for example, was trying to look like in the past now everything's switched and, and they want to be you know friendly, they want to be transparent, they want to care they want to you know all these things sure. that you know, you want from a smaller brand. So the trend is towards that more personable thing, that personal thing, and also towards uh, add a little humor, add a little personality. There's been some great Twitter fights between companies that have been absolutely amazing that have shown that you can have a personality in your advertising and marketing and you will get financially rewarded for it, not the not the other way around.
0: So to sum everything up that you just said, in order to- I jumped to- around
1: a lot, yeah, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, there, there were some
0: key takeaways in there, but let's sum them up.
1: All right. So, if I were to sum things up, in order to make a ad very memorable, number one, you have to get people's attention. So, certainly, going for the absurd or at least, you know, out of the box thinking, creativity, humor is great. And you know, the other thing to in today's day and age is you really have to cut out the boring bits, the yes. stuff that are mm-hmm. going to make people click away because people have so much more choice over their ad. Eyeballs right now than ever before. You know, and, and actually, beyond that, what you want to do is think of an advertisement like it's a connection. You're trying to make a connection. So, what are you trying to connect? The most important thing you can do is connect whatever the hurt or or desire of the customer is. You can connect that with your solution. Whether you're selling, you know, hemorrhoid cream, or you're selling Nike baseball caps, or whatever it is, everybody has. You know, they go into it with a desire and you're the solution. And actually, if I could finish up, that's where the story circle comes in. The story circle, Joseph Campbell, if you want to look it up, Dan Harmon's got some great explanations of this. Our brains are hardwired. Talk about the neuroscience are hardwired to like stories to go in a certain pattern. And the pattern actually starts with a human being is in a comfortable place, but they want something. And then that want pulls them out of that comfortable space. In the pursuit of it, they go through some trials. I'm kind of oversimplifying things. They go through some trials. Essentially, they get what it is they wanted, and then there's like a cost or a price they have to pay for it. So very often, ads that also appeal to this are ones that let people know that they may have struggled. Let's say you have a weight loss ad, and you, know, you don't acknowledge that people have maybe had difficulty with weight loss in the past. Your ad's not going to work. You know, so, you know, acknowledging the pain, acknowledging their journey, but then they come around to the story circle comes around to the present day where you're back in that comfortable place, but you've learned something you the character has changed and what you want to do is have the customer feel like they're going through that story circle. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could do it even with a with a Geico ad you know, you are in a comfortable place, but you know, you need car insurance, right? And car insurance is really expensive. So let's pull you out of there, pull you online. And I can say, well, you know, 15 minutes, you know, could save you 15%. You go through that and you get some sort of resolution. You've gotten your discount, but you had to pay a price for it. You had to learn about the industry. Maybe you paid too much in the past and you have to realize that other things cost too much, but now you're wiser, you're back at the beginning of your journey you're in a comfortable place you have purchased the product and you are better for it so that's this that's the journey right there that's gold right there if you if you understand that path i did it with my my memory courses as well you know for years and we we're, we're doing that same plan now you know you're in a comfortable spot but you want something you know you want to have more success mm-hmm. at work then uh, you know if you can Take our memory course. Of course, you can get the result, but you know there is a sacrifice you have to make. You have to put time and effort into learning the principles. But once you do, you are a new person. You have evolved. You've grown, and you have this great skill. And you get all this admiration and joy. Obviously, the story of an advertisement should end with a happy ending, not not a sad ending, exactly or a <laughs> ending, not a twist ending. <laughs> it's a happy ending because they purchased your product. There's, there's many different types of stories. You don't want the uh, the horror story, <laughs>
0: you know. Can we talk a little bit now? About- about some specific techniques, maybe just two or three, step aside from branding just a bit, and and just a couple fun memory techniques they can use with their teams or that they can pass along to their employees, their sales teams.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So one of the things you could do is start playing games with your uh, sales copy, for example. So I remember this isn't a memory technique necessarily, but, you know, I've, I've seen some uh, real estate offices do this really well where two salespeople can meet each other. And if one challenges them with, you know, hey, customer gives you this objection. And if you can't come up with the objection and response really, really quickly, you owe them $5. And like little games like that can really make a difference to to keep your knowledge knowledge really strong. Now, mm-hmm. one thing where we bring memory techniques into this is try to make a play on words. This isn't necessarily what you would use for the the customer. You wouldn't necessarily say it to the customer, but if your product has some odd-sounding names for for the product names, you can come up with fun little uh, play on words that work. I mean, I'll give you one example that, that I did to my son just today, five years old, and I'm talking to him about the Bernoulli effect. That gives you an idea of what level I want my kid to be at. The Bernoulli effect is people can look it up. It's it's what makes uh, airplanes fly and birds fly. And I said, well, hey, here's a really cool way to remember it. Why don't we call it the Bird Bernoulli Effect instead of the Bird newly effect because it helps birds fly. And he's like, Yeah, it's the bird newly effect.
0: That's a great example. And before we even started our conversation this morning, and I was trying to make sure I was going to pronounce your name right, I said Pharaoh as an Egyptian pharaoh. Now, it's not spelled that way. It's F with an arrow. That's another way. But to remember names, even if you can associate them with things like that. So now, as I market this podcast, I will, every time I I go to look for your file. I will think of an Egyptian Pharaoh.:
1: There you go. I actually, I actually went, went by as the, uh, the Pharaoh of memory for a long time. It was a tagline. It worked really well. Mm-hmm. It had a whole like, thing to it. And, and a lot of these things they are silly, but you know it, it brings out creativity in your team. This is not what you would say in front of the customer, but to help you remember the name of a feature or something, you know, like we've had in, in car sales, for example, to remember which, which one had uh, I remember like there was one about uh, Power Sunroofs. We imagine those vehicles just being destroyed by the sun, like a like as a laser. Mm, so sometimes mm-hmm. you can make, you know, silly pictures, but whatever it takes to make that connection. I can't get into all the, you know, the art of, of memory in a huge way, but like little tricks like that really help. When you're in front of the customer, if you are stammering, if you are forgetting the information, you've basically cut your chances of making that sale in half. This is the stats that we know from some studies on this. And if you remember the information, you're, you're doubling your chances. And the reason is in today's day and age, because Google exists, people expect information instantly and they expect everybody to be an expert. So, so they expect you to know everything about the product. So when you don't and you st- stumble and stammer, I have to go look something up. They think they can go elsewhere. They think they can go online, and you know, like it or not, that's the competitive environment we're in. But the benefit here is, if you're the one person who does remember off the top of your head, if you always, if you challenge and pass all of these tests from the customer, you get a tremendous amount of customer loyalty. Not only will they go back to you again and again for a product or service, but they will recommend it to all of their friends because when you do find an expert that actually knows their stuff in this world of fake news and everything, it is even more valuable than it ever has been. So the stakes are higher, but I'll tell you, the rewards are higher. And if you haven't seen the rewards, well, maybe you're not passing those tests. You
0: mentioned your website earlier, PharoCommunications.com, And that's Pharo with an arrow with an F, PharoCommunications.com. And you do have some resources out there. Tell us about those and how we can use those.
1: Uh, when I got into you know, PR and marketing, I wanted to make sure that we were very transparent. We actually give a lot of people the data and information on a lot of the pitches that we do. And we've gotten our clients in everything from the Today Show, CNN, all the way to, you know, Business Insider and everything else for and, and we tend to get about 40% more results for 30% less cost, if you want to know the stats. So at Ferro Communications, we have a whole section called case studies, where people can dive deep into how we actually do our pitches and how we actually get media attention for our clients. And if anybody is, you know, wrote a book and wants to get media attention, I think like looking at some of the ways we've done it is absolutely an essential first step. And of course, we hope that all of you will become our clients, but uh, I also put that uh, footage up there and that, that material up there to educate people, you know, even if you don't become a client, because, uh, you know, I want to kind of give back.
0: And again, that's Faro Communications.
1: And, and Faro is, uh, is F-A-R-R-O-W. So that's why we say it's an arrow with an arrow right, on
0: the front. Right, right. And uh, again, there's all the different resources out there that you can apply. And obviously, if there's something more that you need, you can always give Dave a call or there's a phone number out there and a way to contact him through the website. Well, we can
1: actually book a consultation on our site too. We'd, we'd love to have some people watching this and let us know where you heard about it from.
0: Thank you so much for being our guest today, Dave. Really appreciate it. And, and lots of great insights. You know, it's, it's interesting the way you've been able to connect the advertising with memory as well.
1: Well, thank you very much. It's been, it's been wonderful.
0: And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to visit the Talking Business Now website at talkingbusinessnow.com for access to all my podcasts and to sign up for the weekly Talking Business Now newsletter.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.